I'm Daniela. Welcome to my podcast, because everyone has a story. The place to give ordinary people's stories the chance to be shared and preserved. Our stories become the language of connections. Let's enjoy it, connect and relate, because everyone has a story. Welcome, my guest, Tina De Luca. Tina is the founder of Enlightening Energy. She provides intuitive readings. I am always curious about esoteric subjects. So when I met Tina through my awesome friend, Kathy, I asked her to do a reading for me. It was very insightful. My favorite part was her confirming the present. Her story begins having a near-death experience. She shares how she discovered her abilities and many other questions that my curious mind had for Tina. Her readings encompass the past, the present, and the future. And she utilizes her gift and in-depth knowledge of numerology in a special way that she reads the cards taught by her grandmother and her mother to counsel towards clarity, comfort, and confirmation. Many of you will be in disbelief, but this is Tina's story. I hope you enjoy her story as much as I did. Welcome, Tina, to the show. I'm very happy that you're here today. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Yes, Tina, and I know you have a story. So why do you want to share your story with us? Because I feel people will relate and people will be comforted by what I have to share and, you know, whether it's related to my personal experiences or through the experiences that I have through others that I guide and help through what I do. Wonderful. And when does your story start? I want to say my story starts from a young child. I had a near-death experience when I was five years old. That really made an impact on my journey and on who I am. It brought, I want to say, to light many of the things that I've come to understand about what life is truly about and how I would like to try to share that through my own light and maybe helping those see their own light. Tina, you had a death experience when you were five. How was that? So what had happened, it was like I just had a flu earlier in the day. And this was in the mid 70s. So at, and the reason why I bring that time period is because at the time, you know, parents didn't rush your children to the doctor or to the hospital right away, right? They just looked after you the best way they could. So my mom put me to bed early. She did what she could at the time to just help me feel comfortable and feel a little bit better. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I felt like my body was on fire. I was really, really hot, and it was affecting my breathing, where I had a hard time catching my breath. I remember things were happening simultaneously, where because what I was feeling in my body and I didn't like it, and as soon as I had that thought, I don't like feeling this way, I don't want to feel this hot, it had stopped all of a sudden, and I was surrounded by all these butterflies, hundreds and hundreds of butterflies. I found myself in this space where it felt like I was just floating and it was very peaceful. I didn't feel the heat anymore. I, it's like I could breathe normally. And as soon as I sit, thought like, where am I? What's going on? This maze appeared in front of me 
And I was looking straight at it and what appeared to be a square shape and where the outside seemed to be quite high and a maze like what you would find in the English gardens, you know, with the hedges. And center looked really tiny. This voice had said to me, you need to go to the center. And I thought, wow, like, how am I going to get there? And as soon as I had that thought, I felt my body or I don't know if it was my body or my soul, because I was just a child, I couldn't, you know, completely comprehend every detail of it. But I felt myself being pulled to the center. And where I thought it was square and the outside was quite big and, you know, over, like, you know, just really big and huge, and the center was tiny, it was actually not like that at all. It appeared to be like a spiral shape. The outside was actually quite tiny and constrictive. And the center was quite big and expansive. It was like in a matter of moments, I went through the center and I found myself, I'm going to call it the other side, heaven, whatever name you want to call it, people believe. And I was in this really peaceful, loving space. I was sitting in these golden fields. When I looked ahead of me, I saw green rolling hills. The sky above me was just a clear blue and the colors were very vibrant and alive. And when I mean alive, it's like they were living. The colors were living. I could hear this music. Even though I wasn't met by anyone in particular that I knew, I didn't feel alone. And I knew right away I was home. And the feeling of it is what was most profound because there was this, it was just complete bliss, complete calm, complete peace. I tried to explain it where it's like people take your most joyous moment in life and amplify that by thousands, maybe even millions. That's what it felt like over there. This music was coming through me. And as it was coming through me, when I heard it, it was a different language. And it was a language, the best way I could explain it would be like Sanskrit. But when it was passing through me, it was translated into a language I could understand. So let's say in English, and I was receiving all these different messages. So some messages were personal, like in the sense, like it was about me and my life and my future. And some messages were about, let's say mankind, or what was going to come to be with like family and those around me. And when I was receiving these messages, it was like in love and light. Like it was like, okay, yeah, that's great. Like this is good news. Even though if I were to share that news here on this planet, people would say that's horrible news. That's terrible. But over there, because there's no judgment, it's all love and light. It was taken in the context of like, this is good news. Like this is okay. I'm glad to know this. So I'm feeling all this. This is all happening. And then all of a sudden, I felt my world over there being disturbed because I could hear this crying. And it was like, this is out of place. What's going on? So I turned my attention to the crying. And I found myself looking down at my body in the living room. My mom is there. And it's my mom's tears that got my attention. I'm like floating above and I can see everything being happening to me. And I'm like, why is my mom crying? And nobody's answering me. I'm not getting any answers. And then it's like, why is Dr. David here? Because at the time, doctors would make house calls. And it's like, why are they taking off my pajamas? And why are they pouring cold water on me? And why, you know, so all these questions, I'm seeing all this stuff happening. And I'm at the same time, I'm shouting out my questions. And I'm like, shouting out, I'm okay. I'm all good. Like, I'm feeling okay. Stop crying. Don't panic. 
And yet they're not hearing me. They're not seeing me up there saying all this. And the last thing I remember is the doctor hovering over my chest because he was giving me CPR and I blacked out. I woke up, I was told about three days later, and I was in one of those bubble tents. And the bubble tent is like, you know, like an oxygen kind of situation. And I was hooked up to all these machines. So I sat up in the bed and it was like totally disoriented and feeling like this heaviness in my body because when I was over there, it felt so light and so free. And that's when the medical personnel, you know, rushed in and they removed the tubing. They checked on me from head to toe. At the time, because I was so young, like my mom explained to me when I was much older, more details of it. But she said, at the time, they had no idea what was going on with me. Like they could not diagnose what was going on, why I was so sick, where it came from, why I recovered so miraculously, because I had no organ damage. I had no side effects from that health episode. They called it an unknown virus. I had a really high fever. It had gone up, my mom said, to 112. Wow. And for me to survive that without any damage or ill effects was a miracle. I was in the hospital for close to two weeks before they let me go home. But Tina, you were five years old and you remember all those details. Yes. Wow. I know. I know. It's... And it felt so real. Like, I don't know. It's like it happened yesterday. And it's and I know it's something that stayed with me for the rest of my life until I'm sure till I die. And what happened to your mom when you told her the story, your experience? It was very emotional for her. It was hard for her to hear it. She she believed me, but like she didn't want to explore it any further. So it was, I think, very painful because I think the memory of her like almost losing her child was, you know, too much to bear. And I think part of her was like, well, if I talk about it, because it was such a happy place, I think she was scared I would want to go back. And she wasn't, yeah, and she didn't want to let me go. I see. So, and then what happened? You had this experience and you had to wait many years to have different situation happening or what happened? So I just felt different from that time on. Like I felt like I just wanted to share love and just show how much I cared about life. And yet it was like the majority of the people around me weren't living life that way. Like people were either really miserable or they'd be arguing, like anything that seemed out of place. That's not right. That's not how we should be living. But no one would listen to me because I'm just a kid. And I also found like my intuition was quite heightened. So I would see things, feel things. I would dream a lot, like I'm a big dreamer. And my parents believed me. And I had other close relatives, especially on my mom's side of the family, believing me. But I was also told to be careful because people would consider what I would have to say or express in an intuitive level or psychic level as this this isn't, you know, acceptable by mainstream society. So I was told it was okay to say that those things in the home, but not to say it outside in the public. So it's almost like I was living these two lives, one at home and one in the company of strangers or outside in the world. But your family also has these psyche intuitive skills. Yes, yes. So on my, especially on my mom's side of the family, all my aunts and, you know, and my mom, my grandmother, and so forth, cousins, they all believed and did something connected to a psychic area subject. So for instance, one of the things that 
I do is read regular playing cards, what people use for solitaire. And that's something that's been passed down on my mom's side of the family from mom to daughter for generations. So my mom read the cards, my grandmother did, and so on. And then when I reached a certain age, my mom was like, okay, it's time for you to learn this. And she taught me, you know, how to read the cards, what they mean and so forth, because the method they use is quite unique to the family. It's not found in a book or found on the internet. And how are you going to pass this along? So I never had any kids of my own. I've taught a friend. It's funny, I would like to teach my youngest niece, but time will tell because I don't want to push her into it. I'm going to wait for her to come to me and ask me. And it's like, I would like to pass that down. But yeah, I would like to pass it on to someone. I, I think I should, so it doesn't die out with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. But I'm very protective of it too, because it's something cherished and very personal to my family. It's like, oh, you know, I, I feel very possessive about it too. But how do you grow up? Your friends will think that your family was different or they didn't know or, or how was it? Yeah. So with my friends, they thought it was odd and they thought my family was odd. At times it was hard for me because I just wanted to fit in and I wanted to be one of the popular kids. But I, I want to say I was quite resilient too because it's almost like a part of me felt protected as well. I don't know how to explain that. It's almost like because I had that near-death experience, it's like I brought this divine protection with me, as if I always felt like even when I had bad things or sad things happen to me, I felt like I was never alone. Like there was always this presence of being taken care of and to help lessen the blow or to help me heal that sadness or heal that harshness that I felt and experienced. Looking back, a lot of the people I seem to relate to were older than me. So it's almost like I, was, I had a hard time relating to kids my own age. And, and I tend to wonder, is it because of that near-death experience? It, it made me more mature you know, than the kids my own age. So it was easier for me to gravitate to the older ones or to feel like I fit in better with the older ones because of the experience or what I knew deep down. And they seemed to understand where I was coming from or what I, you know, the kind of person I was. I became very close to my mom because of it too. You were resilient even though you wanted to fit in. And that was through elementary and high school. Yes. Then when do you started to develop this more or be more curious about it? Around the age of 17. So at the age of 16, my mom started teaching me more about the cards and how to read them. And then around the age of 17, she took me to my first psychic show. And the psychic show was where all these different kinds of readers are present and you pay them a certain amount of money to get a reading and they all offer different types of reading. So I was really excited to go. I couldn't wait to get a reading. And at the time there was this one reader and she did numerology and I didn't see her. I just saw her sign and I was like, oh, something inside me was like, I got to get a reading with her. So I put my name down and I sat down. She did a reading for me. I was blown away. Like she got me, like no one got me. When we were done with the reading, she reached out to me and she says, you know what? I've got to teach you this. I've got to teach you this numerology. She says, there's some, there's a bond between us. And um, she says, where, you know, I got to meet your parents. So, you know, cause I was under 18. And so she met my parents. My parents said, yes, I was very fortunate that they did. And she ended up being my mentor for the next seven years. Oh, wow. 
So she taught me not just about numerology, but about like guides. And she taught me about color therapy, intuition, and tarot cards. So she taught me all these different things for the next seven years. And it's almost, she took me under her wing. You know, in the meantime, I met another mentor. He was someone from one of the First Nation reserves near where I grew up. And he taught me about nature and dream interpretation, natural healing, signs. I felt like I was guided, like, you know, and the people were brought to me. I connected with these mentors who me under their wing. And then eventually a matter of me sharing my gifts, but I did so for many years privately. I would only do readings for people who knew me through a friend or knew me through a family member. I never advertised. I never put myself out there until about 2013 is when I decided to come out of the psychic closet. <laughs> <laughs> Was life different after you learn all these skills? Do you see people differently? Could you read them before they approach you or, or how was it? Yeah. So I want to say before it was limiting, the more I opened myself up to wanting to do this and to be more open with my gifts and the more practice, like the more readings I did, the more I developed and grew with my gifts. So even now, like I find I'm still growing with my gift. How I present a reading now is nowhere near how I did it 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Like I feel like I've grown by leaps and bounds and my, my abilities just seem to be more heightened. The more I do this, the more heightened they become. But is it difficult for you to relate to the regular people that don't have these skills developed like you do? I want to say no, because I want to give people the grace where they're at is where they're at. I'm not going to push my beliefs or my, let's say, agenda on someone because they don't believe in what I believe in or they don't agree with what I agree with. If they come to me, it's because they're ready to receive something from me and what I do. I try to share in a, in a sense where they will feel comforted or they will like open you know, oh my gosh, this is possible, you know, enlightening to me. And if I find like, you know, they'll want to receive more because of it. It's almost like I, I want to present and share what I know, especially to those who are not aware like, with light and love, because I want it to be an experience or a subject or how they receive it, where they'll want to explore more of it because how I presented it was with love and light. So it's like, okay, the more I can be good about it, the more I feel like they'll want to be good about it too. Yes. But in your day-to-day, -day, like when you walk in the supermarket or something, do you feel something? Do you like notice things like that you wouldn't have before? Yes, I do. How is that? So what I try to do, I always begin my day with protection prayer. So I always ask for protection. And I want to say it's like a meter, my psychic abilities or when I go out there. So it's like this meter reading. And let's say the dial is can be at zero or it can be at 100 and 100 being the highest. So before I go out, I'll ask for protection again. It's rare I can have my dial at zero because I'm always picking up on something. It's just I try to go out on days where it's not going to be so busy or not so crowded. So what that means is it's very rare I go shopping on the weekend, or it's very rare that I go shopping, let's say, just before supper hour, because I know it's going to be busy. I'm going to be overwhelmed. If I'm overwhelmed, I start getting really lightheaded and dizzy. 
like I'm going to pass out and I have to leave. Like I, I can't continue shopping. I can't continue being out there. So that means there's some activities that I can't be a part of. And that's just, I've come to accept that because it's too much on my body. I try not to get in other people's business. So if I'm picking up something from a stranger, it's like, I just keep it to myself. I'm not the type of person to say, tap them on the shoulder. Hey, guess what? This is what I pick up around you. No, 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 I don't do that. I try to be very respectful of everyone's space, thoughts, feeling. I don't approach people. I want people to approach me. And when you say that you have changed your style, how you started until now, obviously we, we are mature, we have changed, we grow. Anything that you say, oh my God, I used to do this this way and now I see it this way? Not really, because the things I'm truly grateful for when it comes to readings is I don't remember. So once I give a reading, I'm in this zone. So I'm in this different space where I'm not thinking about it. I'm feeling the energy. I'm receiving it on this level where I'm not using my brain. That helps me to forget what I've shared in the past or what I've experienced in the past because it's like, well, I don't remember all the details. But I know that I've grown and it's like, I want to say when I do a reading now, I think it's more personal than it was before. That's how I want to share it. So it's almost like I, I can get really deep to the point where it's like, okay, what needs to be cleared out for that person? What do they need to address so that they can release that pain, that hurt? Because a lot of times I find my readings encompass the pains and the struggles. It's not just all roses and unicorns. But the reason why that all comes out is so that they can release it and be free of it, elevate themselves and elevate their journey too, so they can have more joy, more light and more love. Nice. Do you continue having mentors or it, it stops and then you just have to do it on your own? Well, that's a good question because I'm always continuously wanting to learn. But what I'm discovering as of late especially now that I'm over 50, it's like I'm becoming the mentor. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, it's a little, you know, unsettling at times because it's like, well, I don't know if I can handle that responsibility or if I want that kind of pressure. But I'm growing into that new role. I'm, you know, becoming more and more okay with that because it's like, okay, it's time for me to showcase more of my skills and showcase my skills in a different light and pass on bits of wisdom so that the generations below can do that much better than my generation. And, and I'm beginning to enjoy the mentoring. Yes, of course. Now is your turn to be a mentor. And a lot of people, they still think whatever you have to say is not real, that you make it up. How do you handle that? Because you don't here to convince anybody, but, but does you affect right. you or do you have feel for a moment the need of I would like to show you or how do you handle that? A lot of times in the reading, it'll encompass their past, the present, and then of course the future. A lot of times when they discount stuff, it's because it's something that they can't relate to right now because it hasn't occurred for them. It hasn't come to be. So what I tell people with that, and when they say, no, I don't believe you, that's not true. So I just say, okay, you're entitled to feel and think that way, to believe that. Just set it aside. Time will tell. That's what I like to say. That's my favorite go-to. 
What I also like because of the readings encompass the past and the present is there's messages that confirm what I do and what is possible, especially with these realms, proves that this exists and that helps them make them a believer. It confirms and makes them see like, oh my gosh, there's more to life than what meets the eye. You know, there's a bit of that too, that where I feel like I don't have to prove myself, like the messages or what comes out in the readings, a lot of times will already give that proof because it's related to their past or their present. And there'll be things that it's like, there's no way I would know that because it's not something that I can look up in the age of the internet. When people say, what do you do? And you tell them that you're an intuitive reader. What is the reaction that you get? Most people say, what's that? Because <laughs> they don't understand the word intuitive. So it's when I say psychic, they're like, oh, they're, they're like, go really quiet because they need to like think about this. The wheels are turning in their head. Like, what are they going to ask me or how are they going to feel about this? And then there are those who truly believe and are excited by what I do. The non-believers I will come across them from time to time, but most of the time they're not in my life. So I feel like, okay, am I being protected by my own guides and by the energies around me? When they challenge me or try to challenge what I do, I try to be very calm about it first and then just try to say like, why do you feel that way? Or why do you believe what I do? Is that harmful or not? agree with your belief system? Is it because of religion? Is it your upbringing? Is it because you're fearful? A lot of times it's because they don't understand and they're fearful. So I try to just let them be, not engage in an argumentative or in a place where it would cause more harm or more discord with them. I try to be there. So it's like if they have questions about it, I want to answer and be open very calmly and be transparent. That's how I want, because this is my opportunity. I see it as an opportunity to open themselves and to educate them. Like, this isn't so bad. Like This, mm. this is part of our world. Some people don't relate with what you're saying at the moment. So you tell them to just park it and wait. Does everything happen that you said? I never say 100%, but I want to say... I believe my success rate would be at least 90%. I have some people like, you know, that have a reading with me. They will give me feedback. Like they will share down the road. Like, guess what, Tina? You know, this came to be, you said this, 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 and it all came. And I appreciate that. The majority of my clientele are regulars. They've been with me from the beginning. That in itself is proof of I must be doing something right or I must be sharing well Like I, I can't take all the credit. That's the thing. It doesn't come from me. Like it comes from this higher source. I'm, I'm the messenger. Mm, I see. Tina, when you were doing the numerology, you tell people also kind of like a description of who they are, what eat, what's food is best for them, all these kind of things, which I think is amazing because kind of like a summary that maybe even doctors could do it, right? If you have a second reading, you would you go again and tell the person what number seven is best or, or you go into a different level because they already know that? Yeah. So usually I go to a different level. I might share a few things still connected to their date of birth. So what you're speaking of in numerology, because it can be applied to everything in our lives, you know, whether it's a name or the actual number, I focus on the date of birth because for me, that's the most important number in the chart. So that's the soul journey. So that about our gifts, what we like, what we don't like, 
what we seem to know and understand, our challenges, what we're here to accept and overcome this lifetime. And then there's the cycle number that's connected to your month and day that you're born and then the calendar year. And that's where it's more predictive. That's about the themes and traits and what's what's in focus, what's going to, you know, be important for the person during their, their year. So when they come the second time around, that's the part of the reading I would focus more on each time they come to me for numerology. And then it includes intuitive messages and intuitive meaning like what I pick up on a psychic level according to their energy. So it could be thoughts, feelings, messages, any kind of messages that relate to them, what's going on for them now and what's coming their way. Uh Interesting. You also have somebody who does readings for you? You know, there's a few people yet that I like to go to for readings because it's not always I I find, I don't know if it's because I'm fussy or because I'm intuitive myself, I'm harder to read because of that. But when I do find someone who is able to give me a good reading, I'll go to them over and over again for sure. I mean, I give myself my own readings because I want to be the type of psychic reader that is like, I walk my talk. So if I'm going to give you a numerology reading or a psychic reading, I want to be able to do that for myself too. Sometimes it can be a little more challenging because I want to see all the good in my reading, but it's like, uh oh, there's some trouble or this is what I need to work on or this is what I need to let go of. And it's like, this is good because it's like, it helps me also discern, you know, come to terms or help me like see or get a sense of like what's going on for me and coming my way as well. Can you say that your grandmother was better than your mother or had different powers? Does it get better with generations? It should get better in different generations. Because my grandmother had three girls. She wanted her three girls to be better than her. And then like my mom wanted me to be better than her. And it's like, I teach my youngest niece this. I want my niece to be better than me. And I believe that's The whole purpose of this life here on our planet is to improve and better our lives and the situation and what's going on. So we're supposed to continuously evolve and elevate and grow. And that means by being better. Your mother supersedes your grandmother and you did supersede your mother? Yes. And the reason why too is because my grandmother would want my mom to read her cards. Uh And then when I got to a certain stage with my card, the way I read the card, my mom would be like, okay, read my cards. That for me was like, okay, a clue like, oh yeah, they thought they were ready and that they were good enough to be read themselves because they were fussy. They were very particular. And is this a very exhausting exercise? I mean, I know that you're going through energy, but are you, after a reading, are you tired or you are energized? So it depends on the reading and the individual. And I can't explain why, like some readings will just really exhaust me, like take everything out of me and I will like, I'm done for the day. I need to go and lay down or I need to just veg out. And then some readings and some people I feel more energized, but then I will hit at a certain time in the evening. Okay. I'm not as energized as before. And I can't explain why. I don't have a really great answer for that. Um, So it just depends. It depends on the reading and the individual that I sit with. So Tina, what do you think the world will be if everyone had intuitive psyche skills? Everyone would be more happy. (laughs) I I feel everyone's intuitive. I feel because I truly believe it's a sixth sense. Everyone has it. The problem is we've been living for many generations where it's been 
not discredited. Like we've been told for, you know, how many generations it's not good to believe in it. It's not a part of our life. And yet it should be, you know, one of the most important parts of our life. Like that should be the the main sense. I think if everyone were more in touch with their intuition, I feel like we'd be happier because it would solve and get rid of a lot of the problems that we're facing. It would help us relate to one another on a more heartfelt level. Won't be easy, you know, at first because it's like, it's, it's so true. It's so honest. It's so raw and it operates, you know, from a center of wanting to bring more light and love into our world. So that's why I feel like we were all into it more and more of us followed our intuition. It would bring more light and love into our world and a lot more people would be joyous, right? Would you change anything no. in your life? No, no, because I have to believe that everything that I've gone through and the, the decisions I've made in the past have made me who I am today and brought me to this present moment also made me wiser. That's the most important thing, especially when it comes to life experiences. I want to feel because of the hardships and the challenges I've been through, it helps me become relatable to those around me. So it's like, I do have the compassion or I do have the understanding and the willingness to, to see the person and to help them from not just from a psychic level, but from a heart level, because it's like, you know what, I, I know your pain or I can feel your pain. You know, I hear you, I see you. And I think a lot of people want that nowadays, especially now the way our world is. People want to be seen and heard and felt. I feel like intuition is a big part of that. That sounds very beautiful, very much like the Tina that I experienced. Tina, what happened after high school? Did you go to college or you took a different direction? When I finished high school, I was done with school. For me, school was more about socializing than studying because <laughs> I struggled with the studying part. For me, when I was done high school, I just wanted to travel the world. That's what I wanted to do. And it took some time, like, you know, because there was some plans with a best friend and it didn't work out. So I eventually did go to college six months after graduating high school. So I got my degree in travel and tourism because I wanted to travel. And I tried to be a flight attendant. That was my dream was to be a flight attendant. And it didn't happen because the industry went belly up. That was in the late 80s. And that's when all these different airlines were closing and shutting down and laying off structuring. Yeah. I ended up going in a different direction with my travel and tourism career. I tried to travel as much as I could, but it was always on my own dime. Like I felt like I wasn't, you know, always smart when it came with certain life decisions. You know, I was brought up to go by the heart, you know, to let my intuition guide me. The way I lived my life was a lot of times by my heart. So if I were to look back and it's like, you know, those weren't very smart decisions, but it was like, no, because I wasn't operating from my head. I was operating from my heart. Didn't you do readings for yourself to see, okay, what should I do? What is my path? I would, but not to the degree like I do nowadays. So at the time it was like, oh, I'm going to do this because like my, my inner guidance taking me there. If I felt like putting an end to something, it's because, yeah, because it was like my inner guidance. So I want to say it was like a reading, but let's say not always necessarily 
a sit down kind of reading. I'm looking at what, you know, my numbers are saying or what the cards are saying. Like it encompassed my own intuition, my own inner guidance. And then, so what happened? I tried to settle down. I wanted a family and that didn't work out. Was it meant to be? And that was part of the messages in my near death experience was I was told I wasn't going to be a mummy this lifetime. I wasn't going to have kids. And it came to be. Like, you know, I never did have kids. I tried different careers. The readings that I did was always on the side and quiet. And it wasn't until, again, 2013 that I decided, okay, it's time for me to come out of the psychic closet. I want to pursue this on a full-time level in a, in a public way. I'm not going to be quiet about this anymore. been building this business, exploring and putting myself out there more and more as each year passes. Do you wish that you will have done this sooner? I'm going to say no. <laughs> I I want to say because part of the beauty of my readings is because of my life experiences as well. It's lovely to have this intuition and to operate from an intuitive level as well. There's the human side of life that we have to consider, that we have to face. So it's both the human journey and the intuitive journey. And it's like, we have to balance both. We have to live with both. They both count. There's some realities that we need to face and that we have to go through. The intuition can be a tool that helps us, let's say, maybe come to terms or helps us understand or helps us heal it. Yeah. Everything is at the right time. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Good. Excellent. Now you're here and you do readings and you do the cards in the special way that your family have taught you. You do numerology. So yes, those, I also do dream interpretations. I do spirit animal totem readings. You know how the indigenous culture, they have the totems. You know, there's all these different animals that's in their carving. So I find Everybody has their own totem and we all have 12 animals on our totem and they start at the very top, which is your power animal. That's the most important animal in our totem. And then it goes all the way around to our feet. You know, when I sit down with the person, I won't see all of them at once. I'll just see maybe a handful. And I always try to get your power animal and the animal that's at the feet or at, at the base, which is the grounding animal. So I will just interpret what they are, what they represent, because they're our medicine. They help us navigate the human journey. Interesting. They have trait personalities and biology that will like influence us and like help us in many ways. I also read just animals in general. So if people have a pet and they want me to tune into the energy of their pet, sometimes I get requests pets that have passed away and then pets that are present in their lives. So I'll do those kind of readings. I can read energy. So let's say people want to know, help understand my child, or I want to help understand my partner, or I want to help understand even a place. Let's say they want to know the energy of their home or a location. I can read that. I can also, people that have passed over, so if people want to connect with a loved one who have passed over, I can do that as well and share messages related to them and what they're trying to say for that person. I read signs, superstitions, because I grew up, my family was also very superstitious. <laughs> 
There's a lot. There's a lot I can read. It covers just about everything and anything. Great. We'll put the show notes information how people can find you. That'd be wonderful. And hopefully everybody gets the experience like I did that I really enjoy it. And that's why you're here today. Thank you. <laughs> well, yes, I would. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Daniela. Thank you. Great. So thank you so much. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed it today's episode. I am Daniela, and you were listening to Because Everyone Has a Story. Please take five seconds right now and think of somebody in your life that may enjoy what you just heard or someone that has a story to be shared and preserved. When you think of that person, shoot them a text with the link of this podcast. This would allow the ordinary magic to go further. Join me next time for another story conversation. Thank you for listening. Hasta pronto.